Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Base Hitball 4 podcast. My name is Glenn Daenerys alongside Tyler Blumensick and Scott Roswald. The World Series is over, and there is a lot to unpack from what happened, not only in Game 6, but really throughout the entire series. Um, a great series. Kind of sad that we didn't get that seventh game, and the reason why we didn't get that seventh game is something that we're going to get into. But Dodgers win in six. Uh, Kershaw finally gets that World Series ring, pitched really well in games one and in game five, um, really putting to bed that narrative that he comes up short in the postseason. So no matter what happens for the rest of his career, he can say that he's a World Series champion, and that's just something that's really good for who someone who is widely considered one of the best pitchers of his generation and certainly the best left-handed pitcher of his generation. So this is what we talked about in our World Series preview show. This is really one of our main topics was getting Kershaw that win. Um, so before we get into the Kevin Cash uh, kind of dilemma and controversy that everybody's been talking about in pulling Blake Snell, let's talk about the other lefty that actually got the ring first. Kershaw finally gets the ring and the Dodgers win their first World Series since 1988. And this is what me and Tyler said. Me and Tyler had Dodgers in six. Uh, Scott had Dodgers in seven. Um, I wasn't surprised by the outcome of this World Series. Um, the Rays, the, the relief pitching was gassed by the end. They're, they didn't hit other than a Rosarina. But I think when we talk about this series 20 years from now, I don't think we're going to talk about that as much. I don't think we'll talk about the cash thing as much. I think we'll talk about this is the World Series that Clayton Kershaw won. Yeah, I, I hope that's the narrative uh, long-term from now because you mentioned Kershaw's one of the greatest of all time. Um, and he, he pitched phenomenal in this World Series. He pitched very well in this postseason in general. He had the one uh, poor start. But World Series, he pitched 11 and two-thirds innings and had 14 strikeouts and looked like the dominant uh, pitcher that he was. And you could just tell everyone was so happy for him. There was a nice moment of him and Dave Roberts um, embracing Dave Roberts, saying, I'm so so happy for you. Uh, gave him a big hug. Uh, and you could they showed him, you know, on the bullpen right before the end of the game and running out onto the field. And he was just embracing the whole thing, look, taking it in, looking around. Uh, yeah, just extremely happy for Kershaw. I had picked him to be the MVP. He easily could have been the MVP if – Corey Seager didn't, you know, rip the cover off the baseball all postseason long. Um, but absolutely, I hope I hope it goes down long term uh, as the the year Clayton Kershaw finally put it together. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much would echo everything you just said. I mean, it's I saw a slow mo of him, like you mentioned, of kind of just coming into the game or coming into the celebration after the game, like. Everybody else in the bullpen was going full sprint, and he's just kind of soaking it in, like looking around at what the eleven thousand fans that were there. Um, some of which might not have even been Dodgers fans, just people longing to get to a baseball game. But I mean, he finally got it done, and like you said, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, where if he won, we'd be extremely happy for him, and that's absolutely the case, and I'm glad. Yeah. So I think that it's finally that monkey's off Kershaw's back in terms of winning the World Series. And all the great ones, they all have that World Series, all the great lefties. Um, Randy Johnson has one. Gibson has one. All these great lefties have that World Series. And you didn't want Kershaw to retire without one. 
because that would be a stain on his legacy, whether it's warranted or not. I know it's hard for pitchers to get I, – I, it's kind of unfair to label pitchers as people who fail in the playoffs because they only get one or two chances per series. Like, it's not like a third baseman where you get four at-bats for all seven games. You might pitch once or twice, that's it, in the series. So it's good that Kershaw finally got that ring. It's good that he was a main part of it, and he had an ERA of under 2.5. So he didn't just – piggyback off of it in like in age 40 season he actually was a integral part of the championship and I think we could just segue this into what happened in game six with the other lefty Blake Snell now if you rewind to 2019 in game six with the Nationals down three to two to the Astros they gave Steven Strasburg the, the ball like he's one of their aces they gave him the ball and said save our season and he did that. He went eight and a third, gave up two runs. Um, I think he had seven strikeouts, 100-plus pitches, the whole thing. That's a, a, a um, just a throwback kind of start in a baseball-like kind of generation where we don't see that anymore. And he, they won game seven, and then Strasburg ended up winning the MVP of that World Series. Now, if you fast-forward 365 days, we get the Rays. And the Rays are this uber-analytical team. They do things – with the computers, with those Ivy League guys in the front office. And their stats say that starters shouldn't see the lineup the third time. That works for the Rays and for other teams over the course of 162. But when you put it in the pressure cooker of the World Series and you put it in game six in a must-win must situation, and you take into account that Blake Snell was having one of the best World Series starts ever, I think the the – metric or the game score was extremely high. I don't know. It was on baseball reference. I saw a tweet that said it was one of the highest like rated pitching performances in world series history. They take him out after five and a third because Mookie was coming up and about to flip the order. And then immediately it backfired. And everybody's been on the case of Kevin cash and everybody's been saying that this is one of the worst decisions of all time. And in my opinion, it was, there was no reason to take Blake Snell out of this game. He was absolutely dealing. The Rays had no answer for him. More specifically, Mookie Betts did not have an answer for him. And it just robbed us as baseball fans of a potential legendary performance. We talk about what Strasburg did. We could talk about what Morris did with the twins in the nineties. Um, all these amazing moments in the world series where the starter saves the season and wins the World Series. That was robbed from us because Kevin Cash and the analytical group said, these numbers say that we should do this, and it ended up backfiring. And it was just a terrible decision by Kevin Cash. And I think the only good thing that could come out of this is that now teams sit back and say, okay, this could work over 162, but in the playoffs there still has to be a human element to this. And I, th I hopefully this brings us back and reels us back into a more old school approach, or at least something where we could live in a generation of baseball where the gut of a manager and the numbers can coexist and you can pick and choose based on what you see on the field, because there's no analytic guys that could determine how good Blake Snell was in that particular moment. Yeah. A thousand percent. Um, Honestly, it's not going to happen. Kevin Cash won't lose his job. Um, but that's that could be – seriously, it could be a fireable offense. Like, that was 
horrible. Blake Snell was shoving the baseball down the throats of the, the Los Angeles Dodgers, was getting us ready for game seven to pass the ball off to his teammate and Charlie Morton, who's another great postseason pitcher. But the decision to go to that bullpen that was completely gassed, you could you could see it. Anderson, Nick Anderson has been a shell of himself this postseason. Um, and the Dodgers have gotten to him. And they got to him last night. And it was an absolute mistake. And everybody is ripping the Rays for it. Uh, and rightfully so. And I, I, I do hope you're right where every other team kind of looks at it now and says maybe we need to pump the brakes on this a little bit and kind of use analytics in situations. It, it, I, I don't even agree with you, Glenn, in the sense where you say it works over 162 because if you're using that to get you through 162, your guys aren't going to be ready for the postseason. I, I've heard a couple of comparisons. I listen to Bill Simmons' podcast a lot. He was kind of comparing it to the Milwaukee Bucks and how during the regular season, the Milwaukee Bucks, they uh, they limit Giannis Antetokounmpo's minutes and they try and limit the amount of time that they use them. And then when it gets to the postseason, that doesn't work. You need your stars out there at the most important times. Um, Blake Snell's a Cy Young Award winner. It's not like he's some schlub that they pulled off the streets. The guy's a star in this league. He earned the absolute right to be out in that game for the Rays to force a game seven. You Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in game seven, but you just got to get there. And Kevin Cash made a huge mistake. I thought going into the game, I thought the Dodgers made the mistake by not pushing Bueller up to start last night and to bullpen the game. Um, but it worked for the Dodgers. It backfired on the Rays. And I hope they learn from, from it and start trusting their guts because that wins you games sometimes, your guts, just as much as, you know, some computer pumping out numbers. Yeah, I, I compare this pitching maneuver mistake, I guess you could call it, to the 2016 uh, wildcard game where Buck Showalter refused to put Zach Britton in. It's like a very similar kind of parallel there where, I mean, we're not going to know immediately, but we'll see because that changed the course of the Orioles' future and what they decided to do with that team because, I mean, the Blue Jays obviously advanced and that was kind of getting to the end of Showalter's tenure there and they decided to go complete rebuild and we see where they are now. It's going to be interesting to see. I don't think the Rays are going to absolutely fall off because I think their strategy stays consistent. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this really impacts going forward. Now, here's what I think when you – speaking about the Rays and their future. If I'm Blake Snell, like I am a 2018 Cy Young Award winning pitcher. I'm not this kid that's just in over my head. Like I belong to be on the mound in the World Series. And I'm, I'm – I'm good enough to finish this, obviously, because I'm a star in this league. I'm one of the faces of my franchise. If Blake Snell doesn't get that kind of treatment from his manager, who he nobody else on that roster is either. So if I'm a Ray or I'm somebody coming up through the Rays organization or I'm a potential free agent that is going to the Rays, why would I want to continue and prolong my career in an organization that's not going to allow me to be great, right? If you're... If Blake Snell signed a five-year extension, right? 
why would he want to stay past that if this is the way this organization is going to do it? If I'm not allowed to t- touch the seventh inning, if glass, if they want to extend glass now, glass, no, just saw what happened. Why would I want to stay with the Rays on a team friendly deal? If I'm not going to be allowed to be a star and be a hall of fame pitcher and may and have these moments, if I'm like a Charlie Morton type free agent where the Rays are bidding on me, why would I go to this organization? That's not going to allow me to pitch. And if I'm somebody coming up and the Rays are offering me an extension early in my career, why would I take it if I can test free agency and go to an organization that's going to let me pitch? I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Rays handle this fallout because the players that are on your roster aren't a computer analytic number. These are human beings that have their own personal goals beyond the organization. Now, they're all going to tell you, my main goal is to win. That's all I care about, blah, blah, blah. It's all a bunch of bullshit because these players have egos. They want to be the guy that goes seven, eight, complete game shutout in these big playoff games. If I'm one of those guys, I would never play for the Rays because I'm never going to be allowed to, I guess, like reach my arms out and just spread my wings and be and have that great moment because the Rays don't believe that. I'm going to be five innings and I'm out. So I think the Rays are going to have to reel it back in a little bit to appease the, the, the players that they're going to have because now they have this stigma of a team that's so analytical that they wouldn't even let their Cy Young Award pitcher go into the sixth inning, go into the seventh inning. Yeah. Uh, where's, where's the trust at this point moving forwards for any, any player on that roster, even position players, like how can they trust their manager, let alone their front office that they're going to be allowed to perform in the moments that matter the most. Um, you could kind of see it in Blake Snell in his post game press conference that, I think he he was obviously very upset, but he didn't want to say anything wrong. Um, Because we saw this coming into the season. He's a pretty outspoken guy. He'll say what he wants. And you could could tell he was really holding back last night. Um, I mean, he was visibly upset on the mound last night um, when it happened, and rightfully so. And I just – I agree. I just don't know if anybody can trust them moving forwards. Um or why anyone would sign an extension with them. And I guess that's part of their whole philosophy anyway, is that they don't really sign guys long-term and that they just, it's the next man up mentality, but you do need like cornerstones of your, your franchise at every moment in time. Like you need somebody there uh, to build around, but it's going to be hard to have those guys long-term if there's no trust. That's a good point. Yeah, so with the Rays, I, I mean, when, talking about Kevin Cash and the analytics, they work to an extent because the Dodgers use analytics. They, the game they clinched yesterday, they had a bullpen game. So they use analytics just as much as the Rays do. The difference I feel between a Dave Roberts and a Kevin Cash is what you said, Scott, is the trust. Walker Buehler is going to continue to pitch in that situation, right? Yeah. Clayton Kershaw is going to continue to pitch in that situation if he's pitching that well. The fact that Blake Snell, who's no scrub, Cy Young guy, was not allowed to face Mookie Betts, who couldn't touch him. And then they bring in Nick Anderson. And what's backwards about that is that the analytics say to bring in a reliever, 
But the reliever you bring in, if you look at the base numbers of that, have given up a run in the last seven appearances in the playoffs. And the, the whole bullpen is pretty much gassed. So the problem with the Rays, not only the decision to take out Snell, is that they played two games against the Blue Jays. They swept them, two out of three. They got pushed against the Yankees, five games. They got pushed against the Astros, seven games. There are no off days in both of those series. And now you're deep into the World Series game six. The analytics, you have to throw it out the window because the analytics are put in place under the assumption that your relievers who are going to come in and relieve the starter are full at full strength. And they weren't, they were completely gassed. So the idea that Blake Snell or Nick Anderson had a better chance to get Mookie Betts in the top of the order out is just asinine because Blake Snell was running through the order. And the idea that this is the third time through is technically not true because four days ago, Blake Snell pitched against the Dodgers, the same lineup. So this is technically, if you think about it, within the last week, the fifth, sixth, or seventh time through, and he's still dominating. It, it, analytics don't make sense to me in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. And bringing in a righty, too, in that spot. Mm-hmm. Mookie Betts hit 200 against uh, left-handed pitching this year. He hit 323 against righties. The guy mashed righties. And then Corey Seager, right after him, left-handed hitter. He's going to struggle more against the lefty, but they brought in Nick Anderson. But to go back to, like, Dave Roberts, yes, they used uh, analytics in that game, bullpenning-wise. But to close it out, he stuck with Julio Urias, who's been absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. in this postseason. He did it in the clinching game against the Braves as well. He left Julio Urias in the game when analytics probably, and a couple years ago, Dave Roberts would have went to Kenley Jansen. But we all know that Kenley Jansen isn't the same guy anymore. And – Dave Roberts has learned from his past mistakes and he stuck with the hot hand um, and absolutely made the right decision both times. Um, it, it just, it, it's just, it's so baffling to me, the whole thing. And I texted you guys as soon as it happened. I was like, this, this game is over. Mm-hmm. Like the, the Dodgers are winning. The Dodgers knew it too. When Kent, was it Ken Rosenthal that talked to Mookie after the game and he yeah. asked him about it? Mookie was speechless. He was like, I mean, I don't know what's going on over there, but like we like as soon as he came out of the game, like the Dodgers knew they had a chance to win last night. I we're we're watching a game tonight if Blake Stell stays in that game. Like the Dodgers like Ra- a good possibility. Yeah, the Rays the Rays win that game and we're watching game seven right now. Um, but we're not because Ke- Kevin Cash made the worst decision in baseball history last You night. know it's a bad decision, Tyler, when the other team is thrilled that you made it. Like yeah, the Dodgers in the dugout had to be like having a throwing themselves a party, like high fiving each other when they found out that Snow was getting taken out. Yeah, well I, I mean I saw that same exact interview that Mookie Betts gave Ken Rosenthal and like he basically was I feel like it was he was trying to not throw anybody under the bus and not really go at them, but he was just like, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know the answer, but, like, I don't know why they would do that. Like, just trying to, like, kind of throw out there, like, yeah, they made a really idiot move there. But, look, I mean, I I don't understand it. Like, that's – I feel like we see that with Yankee pitching. Like, we, we're just used to seeing something like that happening, and I feel like Girardi had a quick hook back in the day. Um, Scott, you're probably seeing it now, but, I mean – 
it's it's not what you def it's definitely not what you want to see for the Phillies. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I would really just echo everything you guys said. Like, there's got to be the human element in the playoffs, or even throughout the regular season. Like, if you see something or you feel something, you have a gut feeling, you got to go with it. Stop trusting the numbers because they're not always going to be consistent. They're averages for a reason. Yeah, I mean, you got to take the it. human element into account. And everybody saw – everybody watching the game knew that Blake Snell had the best stuff he's probably ever had in his ever had in his entire career. So, very disappointing. And what's disappointing is it happened on the grandest stage that the game has. And there was a lot of eyeballs on that game. And a lot of people who are casual fans are like, what the hell is going on here? Right? Would it it would have been more of an entertaining – I guess matchup or entertaining, you know, situation. If we got to see Blake Snell in the eighth and the Dodgers trying to come back against Blake Snell instead of a gas bullpen, like people don't like the casual fan don't care about these bullpen guys. I know pe- I know these teams are in the business of winning and they don't care whether it's pretty or ugly, but from an entertainment value perspective in the world series in a, in a clinching game, you want the best out there at all times. Right? So we were robbed as baseball fans to see, you know, Blake Snell try to get out of a jam in the eighth inning, right? Like we were robbed of seeing, you know, a huge moment between Mookie and and Snell in that situation. You want to see the best against the best in those situations. You want to see, you know, LeBron going up against um, what Jan, or what Giannis in the, I'm making a bad example, but you want to see LeBron go against his best counterpart, a Jimmy Butler, right, in the finals. You don't want, in the last two minutes of the game, LeBron to be on the court and then Jimmy Butler to be on the bench. You want mano a mano. You want the best out there. So we didn't get that for baseball, and it's sad. But at the end of the day, the Dodgers won, and they kind of got they got, a, they got bailed out. I mean, they deserve the championship. I think they were the better team. But in game six, at least, they got bailed out by a terrible decision. Yes, thousand percent. Yeah, there's really no other way to put it. And, and you, you... – you got to praise the Dodgers for capitalizing on it. Like, yeah. And it happened immediately. Betts hits a double down the line immediately. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then you got the wild pitch ties the game. And then Betts on a ground ball to first with the infield in still managed to score. That was yeah. the whole consensus though. Like, and every, like I, I refreshed Twitter. That was the consensus on Twitter. I got like three or four text messages from different people saying, all right, floodgates are about to open. Watch this. And it immediately happened. Mm-hmm. Like that was it. Like, the second they made that pitching change, Anderson just absolutely blew it up. I mean, the commercial break, the Dodgers had to be like, we won this World Series. Yeah. And and it's not even like the ball that Austin Barnes got the hit off to start that inning was – it's not like he ripped that ball. He kind of got jammed and floated it out to, you know, center field. It's not like Blake Snell was losing it. He only had 73 pitches. It's like – it was was unbelievable. And – and that the base running by Mookie Betts, I honestly, I would have given Mookie Betts the MVP award just based off of his base running and his defense. He made s- such a huge difference out there without really, you know, ripping the cover off the baseball. Obviously, he had the home run at the end of the game there, but that ball, that, that's a ground ball. The Seeger one that put him ahead is a ground ball to first base where first base is playing in. He doesn't have to hold a runner on. And Mookie scored easily. It wasn't even close. Like, just the little things that that guy does on the baseball field is phenomenal. Um, And just, 
and we mentioned it before. I just hope long term that this this World Series goes down as one that the Dodgers won, and not that the Rays lost. Yeah, I mean, eventually when we talk about the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Seahawks, eventually we talk about the Patriots won that Super Bowl. We talk about the Pete Carroll decision as kind of like a cliff note, but you know, when we look back through history, that's one of the Patriots. What's one of Tom Brady's Super Bowl wins? So hopefully, as time goes on. We look at it as the Dodgers' accomplishment instead of the Rays' failure because that's what this team deserves because this team completely dominated from opening day in July to yesterday. Um, It's a shame that it was only 60 games because if it was over 162, this team is compared with, you know, those – the 27 Yankees, the 98 Yankees, all those great, incredible teams that just dominated the league. That's what the Dodgers have been. And now, now that they have that championship – they're going to have to feel that pressure to do it again. And that hasn't happened since the 98 to 2000 Yankees. So the Dodgers, they're going to be there for a while. David Price is coming back. So that's just an added bonus. But if it finally happened, they had a lot of heartbreak. And I think it's poetic justice that they won this World Series because of the Astros series that they deserved. Because the Astros cheated and they didn't get that World Series. And that really hurt a lot of legacies, including Clayton Kershaw because he had that really bad game five in Houston. And we assume that, you know, Houston was cheating during that game. But now everybody who was a part of that Dodgers team in 17 that's there now in 20 can kind of put to bed that frustration because they finally, you know, won. And this is a legitimate championship for this Dodgers team. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's essentially the same core. They've added A.J. Pollock and – uh, Mookie Betts, and they drafted Will Smith within that time. Um, but it's essentially the same core of guys that had their hearts broken in 2017 and 2018. Um, so it, it's it's great for them. Um, and then, to, you know, just continuing on with, you know, the Lakers won the title, so now, you know, just doing it again. Two titles in uh, L.A. this year. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy for them. And I, I think – you mentioned over 162. This this team's probably in the conversation to beat that Yankees record for most wins in a season. Like this team was stacked top yeah. to bottom. In normal circumstances, they do have David Price. Uh, he's he's out there pitching every third or every fifth day as the third starter for this team. Um, and they're going to be again there again next year and the year after. Like this team's going nowhere. These guys yeah. are. They just reload. That's what they do. Um, we're going to be seeing the Dodgers here for a long time coming. Ty, anything on the Dodgers? No, I agree. So I think we should you kind of recap the entire series because we kind of went on a tangent about game six. And we said that everyone's been saying there's not, nothing more to say about how bad the decision was. But other than that, there was also a lot of really fun moments in this World Series, specifically that game four. We weren't able to record because we decided to wait until the whole series was over to record an episode so we can talk about the whole thing. But that was one of the best games I've ever seen, that game four. That obviously ended on that wild play at the end of the game with the single to center to tie the game and then the boot by Chris Taylor in center and then the drop by Will Smith. A whole crazy thing. That game four, back and forth, that's what, that what separates baseball to me than other sports because that is impossible. Like, that, sh- that you can't believe that happened. Like, baseball has this way of, like, 
having this insane thing happen that nobody's ever seen before that you really don't see in the other sports. The other sports seem to be, in my opinion, people can disagree with me. People often do disagree with me that a lot of the other sports are more like a cookie cutter. Like, you know, what kind of game you're going to get. Baseball is different in terms of you can see something like the old adage is you can go to a baseball game and see something you've never seen before. That's exactly what happened in game four, not just the last play, but the whole game in general. When I watch that play develop, I, the only way I can describe the feeling that you can probably relate to is when I saw that um, Luis Castillo drop that f- pop-up at second base, Yankees versus Mets, that, that's exactly how I felt. It was kind of like a what-the-heck-is-happening feeling and like being absolutely exhilarated at the same time, and I did not know how to process it. And I was just waiting for one of them to clean it up. Like, was Taylor going to make a good throw all the way to home? Um, was the cutoff man going to just catch it cleanly and break it off and throw it to home plate? Or was Will Smith going to be the one to stop it? Because it just felt like a sloppy play, and you get that like gut feeling that this is going to end in like some weird style, and and it did. So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, wild play. Um, Randy Rosarena scoring from first on that play is pretty incredible on a on a ball to right center field where Chris Taylor is coming in on the ball. Like he has all the momentum going to the plate there. Um, obviously, he hasn't been out there a lot this year. Cody Bellinger's played center field most of the year, was DHing that game with the back. So if, if Bellinger's in the field for that play, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Um, but it did. And just the the awareness of a Rosarena to, after he falls down to still keep his eye on the baseball and not go back to third and be in a position to score there is incredible. Um, I saw a great breakdown on MLB network. I think it was, it was Sean Casey was breaking down the play and he noticed that Max Muncy grabbed the ball like a changeup, And as, so when he threw it to home plate, Will Smith was expecting a, the ball to come in much faster and started to turn away and swipe tag because obviously he thought a Rosarena was going to be closer. Um, so even in a, like as a batter, as you see the changeup, it looks like a fastball and it, it dies off on you. Even in the field, it's the same thing as you're fielding the ball. Um, it would, you know, broke off a little bit away from him. So I thought that was a pretty cool breakdown that somebody was able to even pick that up to see that Muncie didn't throw like a fastball to the plate. Um, but just a phenomenal play all around. Uh, just exciting. It was a great game. Um, I think it even boosts a Rosarena's legacy, or I guess legacy at this point, you know, as even a great baseball player. Like, this guy was a, kind of an afterthought mm-hmm. uh, this year. And just what he did this postseason was phenomenal. That play was great. Um, the first mistake of that play was that Taylor didn't field it like a infielder. Like, he didn't get in front of it. Like, he thought he had a chance to throw out the runner when that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Muncie, I guess, thought that – I guess Muncie didn't see that a Rosarena fell. And then when he did, he was already mid throw and that he kind of like, I guess held on to the ball a little too long, but Will Smith still needs to catch that ball. He got a glove on it. Um, but he thought it was going to, he, he thought he had less time than he actually did, but it was an absolutely great play. And the call by Joe Buck was just perfect. Uh, people like shit on Joe Buck all the time. I don't I understand why I, I think he's him. absolutely fantastic. I don't I, – I, there's, like, this stigma that he's boring. I don't I don't see it. There was a couple years where he had, like, a voice cord issue. That's why he was boring. I guess that's where it came from. 
but he calls a game better than anybody. Yeah, he's incredible at his job. Um, yeah, obviously he's had his moments in the past where uh, he's unlikable, but I've, he's kind of embraced that. I think that's become kind of his persona. Yeah, it's part of his thing. And I, I appreciate that now. Like, I, I, he's incredible. The guy goes, he announces five baseball games in a row, hops on a plane, goes to Tampa, announces a football game, hops on another plane, goes to Buffalo, announces another football game, gets back on the plane, back to Texas, and announces more base. Like, the guy is, is nonstop for the last, what? It's hard to do that at, a, weeks. at the level that he does it. he's incredible at his job. He doesn't deserve the amount of crap that he gets. And yeah, it was a great call. He does a great job on every baseball game at this point. Like he's, he's one of the greatest of all time at what he does. Um, Yeah. It was was a great call. And that, that we've talked about that before. Like when we did our, uh, our, in the preseason, we did our like top 10 home runs. Yeah. A lot of mine were, the call was just as important as the moment in that, in the situation, like the call makes the game. Um, yeah, it, it just, I, I just, it was a great play. That game was incredible. Um, I, overall, I thought we had a, a really good world series and a really good postseason. I thought there was a lot of great baseball played. Um, I think it was the most entertaining of the championships that we've seen the last few weeks between the Stanley cup and the NBA Finals and the World Series, this is definitely the most entertaining. Um, it, it went further than the other ones did. But the back and forth, you get the two best teams in the league going at it. I thought it was a good World Series. And I thought it would have been amped up to a legendary World Series if it went seven. But unfortunately, it didn't. And we got robbed of that one game where it would have been Bueller and Morton. Now, that would have been something. Now, who knows how long Morton was allowed to go in that game because, as we talked about, the Rays don't let pitchers go past six. But that would have been fun to see. But the Dodgers do win the World Series. And on a losing effort, I think we should spend some time and talk about Randy Rosarina. Um, 11 home runs in this postseason, most ever. Um, As a rookie, broke Jeter's record for most hits in a postseason. Who is this guy? Is this guy someone who's going to stay for a long time? Or is he going to be a guy where when the league catches up and gets the book on how to pitch him, he'll kind of come back to earth a little bit? What do you, got, what do you see when you see Randy Rosarina? So it's weird. It's like uh, it's, I'm still kind of in the honeymoon phase of I'm like, who is this guy and why is he here? Like, I, where did he come from? Because, like – I mean, everybody's kind of on the same page about it. He really came out of nowhere. And you, I mean, I guess the next step there after just seeing this guy blast onto the scene is like, you just got to watch the way the guy plays. And it he looks so loose and fluid and he looks like he belongs there. And that's the only reason that leads me to believe that he's going to stick and he's going to be able to do a good job in the major leagues. He's only 25. Um, he made his debut literally a year ago um, in August, but, Look, I, he he just looks like a major league baseball player, and I I'm not happy with the fact that the Yankees have to deal with him now. Mookie Betts out of the division. Randy Rosarina pops up right back in the AL East. It's always in the, it's always the next guy to just kill the Yankees. Yeah, I I don't know. And and he was the 19th ranked prospect in the Rays system coming into the season. So it's not like they really even he was on the radar 
Um, and I know he missed most of the season due to COVID. Um, he, he tested positive, I guess, early in the year um, and was down at the alternate site and, you know, showed up and just mashed. And he hit everything. He hit fastballs. He hit curveballs. He hit sliders. He hit change. Like, he just hit. And, I mean, we really haven't seen him a lot in the field yet. I, I mean, I hope he can continue to grow and develop and keep this up. Um, because you, you don't want to see somebody struggle, like especially when they've made a name for themselves like this. Uh, this is also a guy that was kind of an afterthought in the trade too. They they got him from the Cardinals, um, and the main part, piece of that trade was Jose Martinez, who they didn't even keep throughout this year. Um, super exciting player. The things he did on the field this postseason were we'll never see again, most likely. Um, just just an awesome, awesome guy. I like him. I give him two thumbs up. Yeah, well, you don't need to deal with him. Um, I, yeah, true. I don't have to deal with him. I read a couple of scouting reports about Rosarina. He's a free swinger, so that's something he's going to need to tighten up. Because eventually, you're, eventually people are just not going to throw him strikes, and he's just going to swing out of the zone. So the trick is when the pitching makes an adjustment on you, how do you make an adjustment back? And I think that's going to sing that's going to dictate whether or not Rosarina is a good player or a superstar player. So only time is going to tell, but I think he deserves credit for what he did in this postseason because he was absolutely incredible, like one of the best postseason performances we've ever seen. And coming from a rookie, and you look at the Cardinals, and they got to be like killing themselves because this is a franchise that really doesn't have a lot of offense. And they've traded Luke Voigt and Randy Rosarina now in the past three years for nothing. A few arms that really aren't, you know, game-changing relievers or starting pitchers. But a team that struggles to, I guess, hit, they've given up, you know, a guy that just dominated the playoffs and they gave up another guy that led the league in home runs. So, tough for the Cardinals. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um and just like he wasn't scared of the moment, like he faced a lot, a lot of big arms. Like he took Garrett Cole deep, he took Zach Granke deep, he took Tanaka deep, he took Kenley Jansen deep. Like he didn't care who was on the mound. Like he he stepped up um, in every moment when the Rays needed him. And he, he's gonna be here for a while, I think, guys. I I really do. And I saw. He's got apparently he's got a pretty crazy story on how he got from Cuba to here. Um, I heard that his agent has already started talking movie deals. Um, I saw about, this about his life. So that relax for a little. Let's let's relax for a second. I mean, you got to. Capital- he didn't win the World Series. He lost. He does have an ALCS MVP, so he's you not going to go by the way. Just got here. So you got to not. You got to capitalize on the on the. Let's not like make you know. Though. Let's not make a. Uh, Last Dance documentary about him just yet. Let's let, let's see what he does. All right, after. Glenn. All right, fine. I, I don't want to deviate so much, but we have countless episodes talking about getting the players out there, getting the names out there, and then now that's fair. That's this fair. guy's got the, the perfect fair criticism of what I just said. Yeah, yeah. You want, but you got to capitalize I'm on the Scott moment. But is this going to be a feature? This is going to be a feature film on him. I I don't I don't know, but or is I this mean, just a doc? I'd go see it. Like some of these so. some of these guys that have come out of Cuba have great stories like i remember reading an espn magazine article on yasiel puig like 
I'm pretty sure Puig almost died on his El way. Duque back in the day. Or yeah, like, pitcher, he had to come out here on a raft. Yeah, like these guys have incredible stories on how they've gotten here um, just to play baseball. And I, I think we got to capitalize on the moment for Randy Rosarena and get this movie out here. Because um, it's right. We got, we got to market these players so much better. Well, it was a great World Series, an entertaining World Series, and for the most part, a World Series that was good for baseball because it was the only thing on. A lot of people watched it, but there a, a couple um, unfortunate situations from yesterday. Um, Justin Turner was taken out of the game in the seventh inning, and it came out that he had a positive COVID test. So he's out of the game in the seventh inning. He goes through protocol and he's in isolation. Dodgers end up winning the World Series without him. And then it's shown in the post-game show when they're all celebrating that he's out there with his teammates. And at some instances, he doesn't have a mascot, kissing his wife, holding the trophy, interacting with his teammates. Now, I know everything about COVID is a hot-button issue, so I'll try to tread lightly. But this is a terrible look for baseball because they went through so many protocols and they went through so many um, – they, they tried so hard to stop this from happening that now when it's over, immediately this kind of ruins all the good vibes that this game has had. They had no COVID tests positive in the bubble. They had a couple flare-ups for the Marlins and the Cardinals earlier in the season. But other than that, baseball did a pretty good job with COVID, and they should have been complimented on that. And then it all gets thrown away because Justin Turner is out there celebrating. Now – MLB released a statement today saying that he was in isolation and basically they told him to stay isolated and Justin Turner was basically like, screw you, I'm going out there. Now, I understand that, you know, he's 35, he's young in terms of being like a person, like he's old for a baseball player, but he's a young man. And it doesn't, the COVID might not affect him personally, but it's still dangerous to be out there spreading the virus if you have a positive test. And what, what the protocols have been put in place in an agreement by both the players and the league, that he should get punished somehow. Like, I don't care. Really, I really do not care if he couldn't celebrate because that's just – life's not fair. You know, it's not fair that 200,000 people are dead. It's not fair that, you know, a lot of people are unemployed because of this. A lot of what happened in this year isn't fair. So if you come with me with the argument that, oh, it's not fair, he doesn't get to be out there with his teammates, I'm going to say tough luck. I I, I don't feel bad. I think it was a bad job by Turner. I think it was a selfish move by Turner. And I think it was a bad job by baseball to kind of let it happen. They could have easily had security rip him off the field and say, this is not happening. And they didn't do it. Rob Manfred was literally right there. It's a bad look all around, in my opinion. Uh, you want this one? I, I just think yeah, it's, a, I'm, it's a weird story. It, it's weird. So it is, and I don't want. I don't know that all the facts surrounding it. I mean, I mean, we don't. Even if I did know everything that's public right now, we still don't know all the facts. And I don't like. I completely am on the same page that it's not a good look. But at the same time, I also understand where he's coming from, and kind of see where you could make light of it. I'm not gonna full force go there. But, like, if I were him, I'd probably have a screw you attitude, too. Like, I'd be like, I want to take pictures with my team. I'm sure, I'm sure anyone would. And you know what? I'm sure I would, too. 
Yeah, but at that just, point, it's the responsibility of the league, right? Yeah, yes, that Iceland. I agree with. It, it's that's the other phony part of it. I'm wondering, and I don't want to stir any rumors, but I guess me saying this is going to. Not that there's so many rumors coming out of this podcast, <laughs> but like, I wonder if the MLB knew beforehand and pulled some. So Kevin Rosenthal had to make a sure the game was played. Kevin Rosenthal had a report that they tested the day before and it was positive. And they found out it was positive not until, I guess, the middle of the game. I, I don't know how exactly I think it, it was. Right, so there were two but tests. He had, one, two, he had two positive tests, both yesterday and one was and inconclusive, and the other one came back positive. No, the but second one during the game came back positive. So then you rip him out. Yeah. yeah but that's at, what they did. At, at that point, he's already been out there. Yeah, he's been out there. He's been around cities. these teammates. Like, it's – since the last time they've been tested, which is why I don't think it's as big of a deal as it's making it as people are making it out to be. But I also am completely on the page, like the same page where it's not a good look for baseball. But the rules are in place. It doesn't matter if Agreed. like, yeah, it doesn't matter how he feels or if he's already been there. The rules are the rules, and if they found out that he had a positive test, then unfortunately, you got to get out of there. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if Major League Baseball had known, I I don't think they were the ones that you know told Fox that. Like, I don't I don't know, but like, why couldn't they have just held on to the like? Couldn't the Dodgers have held on to the information, or Major League Baseball held on to the information until today? Like, what happens if the Rays won the game? Yeah, that too. It's like, what happens? Would Game Seven get pushed back a whole week? Are we even playing tonight? I don't like. Because they got to do all the contact tracing at that point, so they're probably not playing tonight. Um, maybe that's why they released it was they knew it wasn't going to be an issue games wise moving forward. It's obviously it's it's a PR issue. Um, I mean, it, it, I just think it's 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 just an odd, weird story. Um, the whole situation is just it's been a weird year. We made it through. I mean, overall, like. Other than the couple blips at the start of the year, and this Major League Baseball did do a pretty good job getting the getting everybody through the season. I will agree with that. I think they did so. I uh, this was this was a hard thing to ask everyone to go come on board with, especially in the playoffs when they all had to be in, isolated and in hotel yeah. rooms the entire time. And I wasn't huge on the fact that they were bringing in people like fans for the. No, that's probably how Turner got the virus. That somebody like if there were no fans, right? It made a difference. Then how does it happen? It may it that's true, and it might have been. Yeah, we don't know how he caught it, what he did, um, if he broke protocol and went out, or it was just somehow he he contacted somebody. But the fans being there did make a huge difference. in terms of, yeah, in terms of the entertainment yeah, value yeah, of watching it on TV. Yes. Yeah. yes. I'm so – like, this morning I, like, kind of, like, watched old highlights from this season and, like, the fake crowd noise or the, in some cases, no crowd noise. And then I, I, it, it sounds terrible compared to what we saw with the World Series. So it's nice if the fans were in the ballpark. But, you know, you know safety needs to be the first thing. Whatever you say about – whatever your beliefs are about the pandemic, it's your beliefs. But – the rules were put in place by the league and the players association that if there's a positive test, that player gets ripped out and they have to have two positive tests before they're allowed back near his team. And I don't think it's right that, you know, now that the season's over, that's thrown out the window, but I understand the, 
I understand the, hey, he's won. This might be the only time he ever wins. He should be out there. I get that. I know there's a human element to being wanting to be out there after all the hard work you put in, not only this year, but your whole career leading up to this moment. But I don't know. It's an unfortunate situation for baseball to have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, talking about it's not going to do anything, but like, but I feel like the MLB. There's going to be half days. The, the, the rules were broken. That's not arguable. Yeah. So there is going to be some sort of, I guess, discipline for either Turner or the Dodgers organization as a whole, because the Dodgers didn't do anything to stop it. The I'm Dodgers, sure it'll just be a Turner the Dodgers suspension. Are fine. I'm sure that no, they can't suspend him. If they don't suspend any Astros for cheating, that's true. They can't suspend. There has Turner. to be some just, sort of just fine. Give him, give him a fine. Give him yeah. a nice little fine. He'll probably get one. Yeah, but, haven't paid off. Suspending Turner would, I think, would cause an absolute outrage. I would. But be it, it was a bad look because instead of being happy about you know the Dodgers and the great season that MLGP just pulled off, I'm watching the post game and I'm kind of angry that this is happening in front of my face after everything like we've been told like everything we've learned over the last seven months about, you know, how, you know, contagious it can be. And then he's out there kissing his wife, holding the trophy, interacting with TV crew and production people who ha- didn't ask to do that or to be around that kind of guy. Um, it, you know, it sucks, but we can't change the past. So what are you going to do about it? Is what it is at this point. It is what it is at this point. You just, you know, hope that, Everything comes back negative. I know they were tested before. Both teams were tested before they left today. So hopefully there was no spread and it was, and it's just an isolated Justin Turner problem. So world series is over and the Dodgers are the champions. And now we look forward to a very interesting off season for a plethora of reasons. You got a new ownership maybe coming into play with the Mets. Um, De Blasio isn't, you know, signing off on it just yet. Not sure why he has a say or why he would have a problem with this sale. Um, There's a lot of free agents out there. And I think that's going to be interesting this winter, especially because people forget because we've been so caught up in what's going on on the field that all these teams lost a bunch of money. So where are these salaries? Where are these contract offers going to come? Like how much money, what's going to be the base salary for these Bowers and for these Springer uh, free agents? It's going to be interesting to see this winter. Yeah, definitely an interesting market coming up. Uh, there's possibly a chance that we see a lot of guys maybe accept qualifying offers and come back to the teams that they were with or just sign a one-year deal in this just in free agency. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting market. A lot of teams, as you mentioned, every team lost money. Um, I did see, I'm hoping this is a positive, that there's a report JTR Muto wants to play in Philadelphia would take less money to play in Philadelphia unless another team gives him the record deal for a catcher, which is very much a possibility. I heard he also doesn't want to play in New York. Does not want to play in New York, which is huge. Um, cause which that, I'm surprised because if you can play in Philadelphia, you can play in New York too. Yeah. He, but he is more of a, he's from Oklahoma. He's a, you know, smaller town guy. Um, you could live in Jersey still. Yeah, he could. He could. I don't know. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Just my opinion. So I'm hoping they get that done. There's a push, you know, to bring DD back, but who knows what he's going to get in the off season. Uh, definitely an interesting market coming up. Um, I think it's going to be exciting to see what happens because there are a lot of good names out there available. Um, and I, you know, personally, I would love if the Mets sale fell through. I think it would be hilarious. 
Uh, that opens the door for A-Rod and J-Lo, which is yeah. what we all want. I think it would be comical to see that even when the Wilpons are trying to sell the team, they It would be fail. the second time it went through. It fell through. Yeah. This time last year, they had a sale with Cohen. Yeah, it, it's just just a mess. And I, I would personally, I would enjoy it. Um, I know it would bring a lot of pain to a lot of people, but, you know, that's the not, last my, thing the not my problem. The fan base wants is Wilpons another year. They don't want it. They were just, you know, they've been like on their high horse saying that Cohen's going to come in and he's going to spend all this money on free agents and the Mets are going to be back. And then if that falls through and it doesn't happen, so we got the penny pinching Wilpons again, that would be tough for that fan base because they thought they were out and then they get dragged back in. Well, we're so. talking about teams that just lost a lot of money. Steve Cohen lost nothing. He's coming yeah. in with a fresh uh, check. That's why if he, if this goes through, I think it'll be, I think the date where something has to be said yes or no is Friday. So if that happens and the, and Cohen comes in, he has a distinct advantage over every other team in baseball because he didn't have that lost revenue that all the other 29 owners had. Yep. Now, when it comes to the owner's vote, is that something that comes up between all the owners saying, hey, we lost all this money. Let's like push this back another year so we can recoup our re- revenue so by next offseason we can compete with Cohen. But it seems like they have – it seems like Cohen has the backing of the owners. It's this de Blasio thing that's weird for whatever I, reason. I don't know why he has any I don't say. know why he has any say. I didn't look into it. it. It's a private organization. I don't think the mayor has a say. Is yeah, there I'm not sure the logistics or legal ramifications of that, but I don't know. But why yeah. does I don't even know why De Blasio would care? He he has much bigger problems than who owns the Mets. Yeah, he has much bigger issues. Not exactly the most who popular knows? mayor in the world. No, I don't know. So I don't know. So off season, um, a lot of free agents. I think we should touch on this because we went back and forth in the group chat, yeah, you know, briefly. Um. One free agent in particular, Marcus Stroman, has a lot to say. He always does. Um, kind of talk trash about the Yankees starting rotation. I took offense to it. You guys seem to not so much. No, I, I don't. To it. I didn't think it was a huge deal. He said that he was basically better than every starter other than Cole and blah, 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 blah. It's, is, is it really that far-fetched? No, it's true. Um, if healthy, I think guy. Severino's better. I know, I know if healthy, okay. I know. But I think Severino's better. And why would I spend money on Strowman? I feel like Garcia is a very similar guy. But okay, but Garcia gives you four. Who's the fifth? It would be uh, Cole Severino, I guess you have, Tanaka, you have to bring Severino. Garcia. I'm assuming they'll bring back Tanaka. Although I'm not yeah. sure what Tanaka is going to be one next year, year after that, year after that. But. I think it's more likely that Paxton comes back. I'm not Paxton. I think it's more likely Tanaka comes back than Paxton. Yeah, so if you have Cole, 100%. Severino, and June, you slide them in at two. Tanaka, and then Garcia, and then you guys have you have the five spot with Montgomery and all these people. I don't know. The Yankees yeah, but, need okay, two. so I guess so. My whole philosophy on that is: Go ahead. You're saying why not pay Stroman? But then when you try to go name the fifth starter, you have to hesitate. I don't want the Yankees to, but have I don't, to hesitate yeah, about but that like fifth name anymore. Yeah, but like spending $18 million on a guy who'll be five. I don't know if he's going to command $18 million, will he? I don't know. He's going to be one of the higher paid. I feel like somebody's yeah, going to I think somebody's going to take him. I think somebody's going to offer him a lot. I don't know. But that's a guy that wants to win, so we'll see. I saw a tweet from Trevor Bauer today saying he'll entertain MLB and Japan offers. Yeah, that's just what we Japan. need. <laughs> 
He's not going be, to Japan. That, that would be funny if, if Bauer left the MLB and went to Japan. Hey, they, they, they shell out big money over there. He could just be driving the competition up. Who knows? Yeah. It, 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 as much as I can't stand his, uh, his uh, antics, the kid's a great pitcher. And he's his gonna, blocks are very entertaining. He's going to awesome. command a lot of money. Um, and he seems like he'd be signing. He, he'll sign anywhere if the money's there. Imagine him going to the Astros. Can you imagine that? He won't of? do it. I feel like I that's one place he won't That's do. probably the only place he wouldn't go. Um, speaking of not wanting to go to the Astros, Springer doesn't want to go to the Astros. That came out. This is also true. Now, this is what I said to you guys in the group chat. I think for those guys, Springer this year, Correa's a free agent next offseason. I feel like Correa will stay because I think he's embraced that everybody hates me kind of attitude. He's a villain. If these guys want to resurrect any sort of respect – or any sort of legitimacy to their careers, they have to go somewhere else. I, from a personal standpoint, like I think they need to win somewhere else. I think that organization is so toxic that I think the longer you stay that, the more toxic you become as an individual player. So I think Springer is making a good business decision, kind of, if the rumors are true. He might stay in Houston, who knows. But if he wants out, I think going somewhere else and being successful there that can kind of kind of like put away the cheating thing for a little bit because hey he won somewhere legit like he won somewhere that's playing the right way yeah we have bregman traded trading rumors too like i think bregman's gonna stay i think bregman will stay i think altuve is gonna stay because he's he's married there um and i think correa will stay but everybody else i'm not sure also who are the astros next year because brantley's not gonna have Verlander is going to be out for the entire year. Verlander's out, yeah. Springer I mean, they had a very magic. They had a magical run going to Game Seven of the ALCS, which is un, which is if you look back on it, based on like who they put out there on the mound, is absolutely unbelievable. But over 162, where your ace is McCullers, and then Granky, and then and Granky was kind of like 39 years old now, right? He's very, he's up there. He was trying to push his way out kind of this year too with kind of the stuff he was doing. He's not the same guy. Yeah, Astros will be a completely different team next year. And yeah, I think yeah, I think I think that window has closed thankfully. But you never know. Um trying to think of what other teams kind of if we have any other teams to look out for in the off season. I think the Padres are something you're going to look out for. I think the Padres and the Mets and the White Sox are teams you're going to have to look out for. I think they're going to try to make that next step and I think the Angels are going to try to get that starter finally because they like, got can rid- they please do it like can they, they got rid of Epler right they like, need to get their GM they got to get a new GM because Epler got fired you don't but, need anybody you just need to bring in pitchers that aren't just the bring, ones that they bring had in, for the last bring five in years. Bauer right if you bring in Bauer and then you got uh, Bauer will bring his vlog and all his shit to Mike Trout so Mike Trout doesn't even have to do it he'll have Tra- Bauer Bauer do it for him I think that's the fit that's going to happen I don't know maybe that team needs pitching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, then they're just going – if they give them a crap ton of money, they're just going to go down the same route. And then they have, what, three got to admit – or imagine he's going to get $30 million a year. So whether it's a yeah. one-year deal, or which I think he's probably going to sign a one-year $30 million deal, it's not – I guess what I was going to say doesn't really add up. But, like, you're going to have Rendon at what he's getting paid, Trout at what he, he's getting paid, Bauer at what he's getting paid. I'm pretty sure Hachavari is a free agent. I mean, uh, it doesn't Anderson make much. Simmons, sorry. Yes, yeah, um, you got to put a team around that with what? A hundred yeah, and 
however got, million, and they don't even spend to begin with. So plus, like, they, plus they still got Pujols' contract. Yeah, it's it's nuts. I don't know what they're going to do there. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, but eventually you have to say, okay, we have Mike Trout, and he's been here for like 11 years now. We've made the playoffs once. This can't keep going on. Do you think they look to trade him eventually? No. You, you don't, you don't saw, want to be the guy. What happened, we just saw what happened with Betts. Yeah, no, but eventually, I mean, like, you give this a real go for two more years, and then you trade him for the last, what has he got, ten. six, seven years on his contract? No, he signed, like, a 13-year contract, right? 14 yeah. years? Yeah, but that was already like a couple of years ago. No, no we were in college. Year. That was last year. I thought he extended it. I don't know. Who knows? I think they'll have like 11 years left by the time next year is over. That's ridiculous. Which is stupid. But... And he's already almost 30. He's 29, yeah. He won't sign another contract in his career. No, but he he got the bag. So I mean, other Wait. guys you got to look for in trading is Lindor, Arenado. There's a Bryant, lot of movement that Chris could Bryant. happen in this offseason. Bryant, Rizzo. I saw a, I saw a kind of a, not a rumor because it was it's just a, some kid's blog, but kind of talking about Rizzo might be that left-handed guy for the Yankees if they trade Boyd. I don't know. It, yep. Everything's up in the air. Yeah, I, I think there's gonna be a lot, even though I uh, think it'll be more of a trade offseason than a free agent offseason. Last year you had the tr- free agents with Strasburg and Cole and Rendon. You had so many free agents to sign. I think this is going to be more of an offseason where you see trades. And you might see somebody move that you would have never in a million years thought would be moved. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that sense. I, I do think there's going to be a lot of movement and from teams trying to get off of contracts because of their money situation, where there, there's going to be owners that are going to be able to take on money, where there's going to be owners that are trying to you know, dump My bad. I, I I pulled the plug on my uh, my headset there. Um, we uh, just money that uh, teams are be really trying to move. So I, I do agree with you. There's going to be a lot of a lot of movement this off season. I think it's going to be exciting, and we'll be right here to. Re- yeah, we'll be here. <laughs> we're going to be here on base hip ball four coming yes, back. Yes, we will. I think we're going to. We decided every other week. Every other week. Every other week. Tyler, do you have any uh, early off season kind of notes? Not necessarily. I just want to see what happens. I want action. I like when there's like MLB show franchise mode action. I enjoy the offseason just as much as the actual season because I like the business part of the transactions and who gets signed. Totally. Um, I like the Rule 5 draft. I think I'm the only person in the world that likes it. Um, I I hope the winter meetings don't get canceled. I love the winter meetings. They'll probably do it virtually or something. But the winter meetings are like one of my favorite weeks of the entire year. So yeah. much fun. It, it's a fun week. So we'll be here dissecting it as it happens on base hit ball four. And if you guys don't have anything, any last thoughts on the 2020 season, we can wrap this thing up. Disappointment once again. I mean, yeah. I mean, there as a, from a Yankee That's standpoint, really it. it's very disappointing. But from a baseball standpoint, they did it. They pulled yeah. it off. Overall, I think they did a good job getting it done, getting it in. Uh, as we mentioned, happy for the Dodgers, happy for Clayton Kershaw, but as a Phillies fan, super disappointing as well. Uh, looking forward to the next season. Uh, yeah. Hopefully it's a 162. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll be allowed in some capacity to be there in April. Um, I, I would hope. Like, I think it'll be 162. I don't know if we're going to be allowed in right away, but who knows? I'm not a doctor. I only play one on TV. Fingers crossed. That's it. 
So that will just about do it for this episode of Base Hit Ball 4. We'll be back in a couple weeks to further talk, further our discussion about the offseason, what to expect, who's going where, all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about it all. Um, but until then, for Tyler Boomstick and Scott Roswald, my name's Glenn Negris. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you later on Caps on Sports.